Hey loves, I'm Marley Liss, and welcome to the Sensual Revolution. This is a global movement to reclaim sensual empowerment on an embodied and systemic level. My personal path of sensuality has not been easy. Shame around my body image, sexual abuse, and my queerness had me dissociated and numbed the heck out. It's been a big journey to get to where I am today, but I really have turned my pain to purpose. Along the way, I've learned our personal healing makes epic waves in this world. This podcast is here to remind you that your healing is selfless. When you learn to shed shame, love your body, and claim your worth, you pave the way for all people to do the same. Here, you can expect to hear from sexual educators and healers who work at the embodied level of sensual empowerment, as well as policymakers and justice leaders who work at the systemic level. It's all connected. So whether you're at the very beginning of your own sensual healing journey, or you're a sex-positive advocate and superstar, this community welcomes you. Let's come together and revolutionize this planet one loving, sensual step at a time. Hey love, welcome back to another episode of The Sensual Revolution. I'm so excited because we're going to dive into such important and juicy conversation today. And this is going to be around breaking down five different myths around pleasure and replacing those myths with something so much more empowering. First, I will actually share something really exciting, which is that my eight-month coaching program, the Sensual Wholeness Academy, is now open for early bird enrollment. This is such a transformative program that allows you to reclaim sensual empowerment, body confidence, voice boundaries, shed shame around desire, integrate everything that we're going to be talking about today, and most powerfully, it allows you to connect to a global community of like-minded women. And whether it's through this program or something else, I just want to emphasize the power of having people in your life who are there to celebrate your wins with you and to hold you in the hard times and to just be there with you. I think this pandemic has really shown all of us like how important human connection is and how much changes in our life when we find those people to lift us up no matter what, to dance, laugh, cry, sing with us. And that's exactly what happens in the Sensual Wholeness Academy. So I know that you are going to love it. And what you can do is you can go to the link in the show notes to get all of the details on the Academy. So you'll learn all about the SWA. You can really feel into this. And I highly recommend this journey for any woman who's feeling ready to shed shame and claim sensual empowerment to an epic degree. So let's dive into this now. Five myths about pleasure and shame shedding truths to replace those myths with. We're going to break this down super clearly today. So the first myth about pleasure that I want to address is this idea that pleasure is indulgent. And right away, I invite you to reflect on this. Like, is this a narrative that you've heard before? Um, I think that a lot of us receive this message in relationship to food. This idea that indulging in chocolate or food that brings us joy is like shameful and not right. And that word gets tossed around a lot, indulgence. And then I also think of this word in relation to 
the shame that women especially are taught around this idea of being easy when it comes to sensuality, sexuality. There's this huge narrative that says the worst thing to be is to be easy and that it's much more virtuous to play hard to get. It's much more attractive to play hard to get. Um, Obviously, I can't see you, but if I could, I would say raise your hand if that's a narrative that you've received because I think it's one that so many of us are taught and it's not right. It's not accurate. In all truth, there's nothing wrong with pleasure and this idea that it's indulgent can be really detrimental. So let's talk about the liberated self versus the conditioned self. The liberated self knows that pleasure is essential and is vital for nourishment, for our well-being, in order for us to show up in the world as our best selves, to contribute beauty to our loved ones' lives, to be a productive member of society, whatever that means, to enjoy our lives to the fullest as we deserve to. We need pleasure. Pleasure is such an important part of that, and especially when there's so much pain that we're aware of on the earth. And like I always say, our nervous systems are not used to the level of information that we're currently receiving. Our ancestors didn't have access to social media, to the news, in order to receive everything that's going on in the world. To know about that, to know about the news, to know what's going on across the world, like that is a lot of information. And in humanity's history, this is a new thing for us to be able to navigate or to be asked to navigate all that information. It's a lot. So when we have the awareness of suffering that's happening everywhere, it is essential for our well-being, for our nervous systems, for our larger systems like the justice system so that we're not operating from fight or flight mode. It's essential that we connect with pleasure to balance it out, to calm our bodies down, to remember what, what life is about and to remember the simple joys Pleasure is essential. So our conditioned self, our self who has taken in all this messaging and has not really questioned it yet, our conditioned self holds the patriarchal narrative that pleasure is a sin, it's indulgent, it's shameful, unless it's for good use, like reproduction. And the reason that I teach about this so much is because we need to realize that our shame around pleasure didn't actually come from us. And that's not so that we can connect with this kind of victim energy and say, oh, it's not fair. I was given all these messages. This is why I'm like this. There's nothing I can do about it. It's not about that. It's about educating ourselves on recognizing the source of these messages, the source of this shame, so that we can essentially let ourselves off the hook and say, okay, it's not my fault that I think this way. I forgive myself for thinking this way. I hold compassion for myself for being given those messages and I'm ready to change it. That is what this is all about. Realizing shame around pleasure did not originate with you. You were not born as a little baby and you said, oh, I'm not worthy of pleasure, pleasure is sinful, or all these things. In fact, it's actually shown that it's very common for little fetuses in the womb to touch their own genitals. 
right? And so this whole idea of this being perverse or not right or not innocent, that goes out the window when we realize how how much this is just a part of human nature and how there's nothing wrong with pleasure. Our lives need that pleasure. It's sustenance. For us, it's a reason to wake up sparkly-eyed, bright-eyed, excited every single morning. So this shame around pleasure, there are so many different places that this has come from. One of them is looking at our history. Looking at women's history gives us a lot of insight into why we might hold shame around pleasure. One example is that women were actually institutionalized for what was called hysteria not so long ago. And part of the medical diagnosis for women for hysteria was having sexual desire. They said if you're having sexual desire without the goal of reproductive, making a baby, then that's pathology. That's reason to be put in a psych ward. This was literally part of our history not so long ago. Not so long ago at all. So when we track that back and we realize, okay, it makes sense that I might struggle with this. I'm choosing to have compassion for myself around that to know I'm not alone in that struggle and I'm ready to claim something different and to make sure that through my own embodied living, I'm not perpetuating those narratives that have harmed me. So that is what we're shifting out of, from pleasure being indulgent, we're ditching that narrative, and we're claiming that pleasure is an essential part of life. Let's move on to myth number two, this idea that pleasure is selfish. Again, raise your hand if you have been taught that before, that pleasure is selfish, that focusing on yourself makes you arrogant, narcissistic, egotistical, self-centered. And we want to replace this idea very simply, flip it on its head, pleasure is actually selfless. So I want you to take a moment and think about permission givers and role models in your life. And maybe there's someone that you've seen online or a celebrity or a teacher or someone in your life, maybe a past lover, maybe a friend, someone who embodies unapologetic pleasure in such a way that you can tell they are just soaking in the beauty of life. They're someone who's stopping to smell the flowers. No matter what their body looks like, they put on the sparkly sequin dress or whatever the heck they want to wear and they like wave their pride flag high and they embrace who they are and they take up space unapologetically and they ask for what they want. Think of this person as a permission giver for us and think of the way that that kind of empowerment is basically contagious, right? It catches on. If you surround yourself with a room full of people like that, it becomes very hard for you to stay contracted and small and in shame and rejection of who you are. And if you do, and if you try to say, oh, I look so gross today, everyone in that room is going to say, cut that shit out. You are beautiful exactly as you are. We don't do that here, right? This kind of collective consent around the sort of talk we are willing to have and the sort of talk we are not here for. 
So realize that every person in that example, everyone you just thought of who embodies that, how gorgeously selfless is that? Because their own reclamation has now empowered you and everyone around them to step into that paradigm of self-love as well. Therefore, breaking down, destructing this idea that says pleasure is selfish. This idea that says that only serves you and no one else. Another example of this is like, imagine that your mother or someone who played that kind of parental role in your life, that guardianship role, like imagine they embodied such gorgeous levels of sensual empowerment. Imagine that they stood in front of their mirror and they said, oh my gosh, I love every inch of me and every inch of me deserves to be loved. Imagine if you were exposed to that kind of self-love and representation growing up and then how would that shape the way that you look in the mirror and meet your own gaze and how might you be trained to give yourself love instead of judgment how may you have normalized that level of confidence instead of self-rejection we become path pavers for all women and future generations to claim their worth when we do this for ourselves so you can be that person for someone for everyone around you you can be that person who role models what it means to love yourself and accept yourself in that way so that everyone in your life receives a bit of that light there's that quote right a candle loses nothing by lighting another candle and this is what naturally happens when we reclaim this for ourselves we become that light and it lights up the spaces around us. So studies actually show that women are way more likely to bond over negative self-talk, whereas men are more likely to bond over positive self-talk. So an example of this that I lived was I joined a women's kickboxing studio a few years back, and it was amazing. I loved it. It was so empowering. And I remember that... It was so common to have a woman turn to you and say something along the lines of, oh my god, I'm literally dying right now. I'm so out of shape. And then that would be your bonding point. Your bonding point would be putting yourself down to some sort of degree, right? Oh my god, I'm so out of shape. I'm dying. I have shit stamina. Oh my god, are you as dead as I am? I literally suck at this. This is so hard. Like, It's shown that this is how women are taught to bond. Whereas men, same example, say they're at a gym or whatever it is, they might turn to each other and say, oh my god, I'm killing it, like I'm lifting way more than I used to, gains, bro. (laughs) So stereotypical. Um, But that is, is proven that it's more likely for men to bond that way. And so what we do when we reclaim pleasure and sensual empowerment and confidence and self love is we disrupt that system. We put a stop to it by saying, I'm not contributing to that anymore. So when a woman turns to you and says, oh my God, I'm literally dying. I'm so out of shape. Instead of responding with, oh my God, me too. I suck at this. You say something like, when I look at you, I see such a powerful, strong woman. And the fact that we're both here is such a testament to our our commitment, to our own self-worth and empowerment or whatever it is, right? Like, 
flipping that narrative so that we're actually allowing ourselves to collectively rise instead of collectively crash. That is such a huge thing and it's a revolutionary thing. So you can change that pattern by claiming this for yourself and you naturally do that. You naturally make a major impact in the world by claiming your own pleasure and shining it bright and you inspire and call in the women, the people around you to do the same for themselves. The third myth I want to talk about is this idea that pleasure is dangerous. This is one that really gets fed to us through sex education and lack thereof. Because the sex education that most of us receive, if any, I mean, it's a mess, we know that, what we receive is a lot of risk-based narrative, right? These are the STIs you can get if you're intimate. I think of the Mean Girls scene. Um, If you have sex, this is what the gym teacher says in Mean Girls, he says, if you have sex, you will get pregnant and die. Don't have sex in the missionary. Don't have sex standing up. Just don't do it. Everybody take some rubbers, right? Like that is the depiction of how sex ed works in a high school. And it's not far from the truth. Like that is a reality that we're really taught to fear sex and pleasure. We're really taught that this is scary and shameful terrain. We're taught that it's something that should never be brought up in the presence of authority or family, that it's not respectful, that it's too taboo. And I want to remind us that anything that our culture has deemed taboo is really just different things that our culture has wrapped in shame to such a degree that we take an unspoken code of silence around that thing. And when we stay silent around topics like sex education, it means that we don't get the information an education that we need in order to have not just safe but empowering and beautiful sex lives. So what I would say is that the truth is that pleasure is actually safe and natural. I believe that what's dangerous is the suppression that exists around sexuality. Nobody tells us about the best case scenario around sexuality. Nobody talks about the heights of pleasure, the empowerment, the joy, the connection, the healing, the beauty that's possible, right? What about the possibility for connection and empowerment through intimacy? What about that? Yes, it is so important for us to know about the risks and about safer sex. So important. But that's not the whole story. That's not the whole picture. And this narrative that says that pleasure is dangerous, it reinforces distrust towards our own bodies and pleasure. We can think back to the kind of Eve in the garden narrative, this idea that temptation, her desire, it's what ruined everything. That's a whole lot of shame and pressure around leaning into pleasure. And it really keeps us afraid. It really keeps us afraid. So if you're not driving, if you're in a place where you're able to, like, look down at your body right now and just affirm for yourself, my body and my pleasure is innocent. Because if there's anything that you can take away from this podcast or your day today or whatever, 
your healing journey. It's this knowing that your pleasure is innocent and it's also radical. We're going to talk more about that a little bit later on. But what I really want us to invite here is no longer believing that nature is scary and something to be feared. We're so taught that we have to fight to maintain control over our bodies. We have to be dieting, watching what we eat. We have to be checking ourselves on the scale. We have to be shaving. We have to be wearing makeup. We have to be doing all these things. And again, like, there's nothing wrong with beauty and maintenance and all these things if it's coming from a place of joy and self-love. But if it's coming from distrust and rejection of your naturalness, then that's something that you deserve to shift because you deserve to know that your body is a freaking miracle and that your body's performing miracles all the time without you even thinking about it, right? Think about healing a scratch. You don't have to force your body to heal a scratch. You don't have to really do anything consciously. Your body just does that for you. Your body is not the enemy. And this idea that she is has caused so much of us so much pain. I really invite all of us to start cultivating appreciation for our human nature. If we let go of the narrative that our pleasure is dangerous, then what actually happens? Because I believe that if we trust our bodies, actively free ourselves from shame, if we receive education around consent and respect towards other people, that creates a really healthy sense of pleasure in our own lives and in our world. Whereas, and this is what a lot of us have been taught to adhere to, suppression of sexuality, silence around sexuality, lack of education around sexuality, these things lead to violence. So it's actually these things, the suppression of pleasure that's dangerous, not the expression and the embrace of it. So this is a really big and important myth to shift out of pleasure is not dangerous. The truth is that it's safe and innocent and natural. And what we need is not to suppress it, but to equip ourselves with skillfulness, language, and education around how to work with this energy that can be big. But it can also be really joyful and fun. And it's so important that we have fun in life. I think that's something we forget about a lot is like the importance of having fun. I invite you to just put on a freaking Britney Spears song today and dance to it in celebration of the queen being free. Like fun is such an important part of our lives and fun is a big part of pleasure. The next myth I want to look at and we have two left is the idea that pleasure is scarce. Pleasure is actually abundant and the way that this belief that it's scarce expresses for a lot of us is we feel jealous. We feel like we have to fight for attention. We feel like there's not enough to go around for us. We feel like there's only one person in the world who can allow us to connect with pleasure through intimacy and if we don't find that person then we have nothing and none of this is true. The truth is that pleasure is abundant There is enough to go around. This really comes back to the whole capitalist, patriarchal competition thing where we're told we have to fight for intimacy 
and limited love. This is definitely rooted in a history of things like dowries and bride prices. And it feeds into the idea that pleasure is a limited resource. This reflects a really outdated reality of dependency. The truth is there's enough pleasure, love, and kindness in your own body and in this world in order for you to be fulfilled. Every orgasm, every laugh, every moment of joy and freedom that you've ever had has happened through the body that you're living in right now. So even if you feel like crap today, which I want to say, honor that, honor whatever you're feeling, know that you have access to that kind of pleasure, joy, and love through your own body right now and you know this because you've experienced it before. Pleasure is not scarce, pleasure is abundant and there's always more for us to experience And that is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And just so you know, you make way for more pleasure in your life when you educate yourself on these things. Like listening to this podcast, doing embodiment practices, finding pleasure positive communities. All of these things allow you to create more space in your life for that pleasure. So we have to remove that conditioning, that shame, these myths that we're talking about today. We have to remove all of those in order to create space for that pleasure. So I honor you so much for doing that right now because that's literally what you're doing by listening to this podcast. So last myth we're going to break down today is the idea that pleasure is exclusive. We, whether we consciously know it or not, we have absolutely been taught that pleasure is reserved for skinny people, for able-bodied people, for white people, for straight people. These are things that we've been taught. We've also been taught that pleasure is not available to those who have been through trauma. This kind of narrative of, I hate this language so much, this narrative of being damaged goods. I remember feeling like that after trauma, fearing that I was like, damaged goods. I wouldn't be able to connect with pleasure anymore. Like my pleasure, joy, whatever in life had expired now that I'd had that experience. And I want us to crumple up that narrative in our hands or just mentally and throw it out the freaking window because it's not true. Pleasure is for everybody. No matter your size, your race, your sexuality, your history, any of it, you deserve and are capable of and you can and you're worthy of experiencing gorgeous amounts of pleasure in this life and in your body. Pleasure is for all of us. So we're getting rid of this kind of one-size-fits-all narrative that says this is how sexuality is supposed to look. Right, we can think of the kind of conventional mainstream porn star who is like, has really tucked in genitals with no hair on her body and she's thin and she's white and she's straight and whatever, all the things. We're really often shown just that one size fits all 
narrative and the idea is like if you don't fit that picture if you don't look like that if you don't sound like that if you don't feel like that then something's wrong with you that's the narrative that really perpetuates this idea that pleasure is exclusive so we're ditching that and we're realizing that there is no one size fits all sexuality however many people are on the planet seven whatever billion of us that's how many versions of sexuality and pleasure exist on the planet just as we all have a unique fingerprint we all have a unique sexual and sensual expression as well so take a moment and just validate what that is for you and realize that especially if you're living in a marginalized body if you're a queer person if you are a survivor of sexual trauma like you have access to pleasure this is possible for you and it's also freaking brave and radical for you to reclaim that pleasure and to come back to that kind of idea of the role model to shine that light for others i hear it all the time like I share my story of sexual violence and coming out as queer and all of these things and then at the same time I post videos of me dancing wildly on the beach in a bikini and popping my booty and I get messages from survivors saying, wow, I didn't know that it was possible for me to reclaim that level of sensual empowerment and freedom and I want everyone listening to this right now to know that this is possible it doesn't have to look the way that it looks for me and it won't because we're all unique but it's possible for you to feel that pleasure and joy and sensual freedom in your life no matter who you are no matter what's happened to you it's possible and it's gorgeously radical for you to reclaim this and shine that light for everyone around you So those are the myths that we're looking at today. Thank you so much for doing this work. It really is revolutionary. I remember one woman finishing my program, the Sensual Wholeness Academy, and she said, you know, this is changing the way that I raise my kids. I'm not going to raise my kids to grow up with that kind of shame now. And that was just so beautiful to hear because that's the natural progression of healing. We do this for ourselves and naturally we pass it on to others. So how can you start integrating everything that we just talked about? One, honor yourself for listening to this because that is already such a gorgeous way of showing up for yourself and claiming a different paradigm. Start to choose different resources. That's one of the biggest things I'll say. Instead of watching mainstream porn, if that's something you watch, watch ethical porn. This is something I posted about on my feed the other day on Instagram. So go check that out. I'll link that post below as well. Really uh, informative post on the difference between the two and why it's important for us to have ethical porn instead of mainstream porn. Um, Read empowering books rather than degrading ones. Set boundaries for yourself with what you are down to talk about with your friends and what you're not cool with. Like if your friends are always putting themselves down and all these things, let them know, hey, it doesn't feel good for me when you do that because I notice I become way more self-conscious when I hear you picking your body apart. And how cool would it be if we started to practice positive self-talk in front of each other 
and we started normalizing uplifting ourselves and seeing the ways that that changes um, how we speak to our own bodies and to each other, right? Like ask for that standard of positive self-talk in your community, lean into pleasure positive sex education, which is what you're doing right now, follow some amazing accounts on social media that uh, reinforce that liberation, surround yourself with environments who normalize all of this and normalize that level of radical inclusivity around pleasure. I want to thank you so much for listening to this today, not just for this podcast, which by the way, if you're loving, I'd be so grateful if you leave a review so that we can amplify this message. But I also want to thank you for listening to this because I really do believe it breaks cycles of shame and ignites ones of joy and freedom and love and pleasure, which is so needed on our planet right now and always. Definitely, if you're feeling drawn or curious about the Central Wholeness Academy, check out the website, get the details there. You'll see plenty of information on that page. You can just sign up on the spot, but if you're someone who wants a little more information or reassurance or you want to address some concerns or questions, you can also book a one-to-one call with myself or my team. It's a free call. We will hold space for you around your own sensual reclamation journey, self-love journey, We'll offer some support on this spot and we'll explore if the SWA is a fit for you. I would love to welcome you into that space if it feels aligned and I'm sending you all so much love. 